Hello and thank you for downloading the Reading Room podcast. And on this podcast, the one we're going to call Room 8, you can hear some poetry from Uganda and also an interview with Grace Atuhare, someone who uh, listened to the podcast and got in contact. And uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us, readingroom at sirenonline.co.uk. Let us know where you're listening to us around the world and also what you're reading and what you think about it. And also this month, uh, Johnny and I, uh, we gave away some books for World Book Night, uh, which was a tremendous success. We had uh, such fun uh, on the 5th of March giving away books, uh, a million free books were given away on the 5th of March here in the UK and also on this programme we had a fantastic interview and story from a writer based in Leicester, a chap called Joe Evans. And we had one of our most enthralling conversations uh, about Half of a Yellow Sun by uh, Shimamanda Ngozi Adashi and uh, that really sort of divided our camp but I think it made for a very good debate and also on this podcast you get to hear more of our 101 books to read before you die. So here goes. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. Now, yesterday, well, last night, in fact, uh, World Book Night was a celebration of the great writing and the pleasures of reading. And uh, across the nation, people were giving away one million books uh, to be read, enjoyed, and then shared and then passed on. I think that's the key to the uh, the brilliant project. Um, 40,000 copies of uh, 25 uh, titles were given. We had uh, a copy to give away, and uh, this is our report for yesterday from when we were giving books away. It's the 5th of March, uh, 2011. 11, which is World Book Night and the reading room has decided to come to the collection in Lincoln on uh, what can be only described as an overcast and grey and miserable day so hopefully we're going to get to see uh, a lot of people here and we're going to be giving away uh, One Day by David Nichols which is the book that I said uh, should be kept a secret now with the help of World Book Night we're able to share it and let everybody hear about it let's see how we get on hello there would you like a free book from World Book Night Jolly good. Uh, this is uh, one of my favourite books. It's by David Nichols, One Day. And the idea is you sort of pass it on. I heard something on <clears throat> a different radio station That's okay, that's fine. There are others well, available. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about Book Day. And I heard there were, I didn't know you were giving them out here, though. That's fine. Hi, sorry to disturb you. Uh, would you like a free book from World Book Night? Um, what's it about? Yeah, it's, uh, they're giving away uh, free books, a million books up and down the country. Uh, this is one of my favourite books recently, so uh, the idea then is that you, you pass it on. Yeah, lovely. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. My mother's a good reader as well, so I'll Yeah, so you better her. pass it on and then, yeah. We're finding that approaching people is a bit like approaching people on the high street and, and some people think we're perhaps selling double glazing or something like that, but we're not. We're giving away a free book. We've had uh, a couple of people uh, turn us down for a, a free book, which uh, at first you sort of question and then you think, well, no, it's fair enough. If it's not going to go to someone who's either going to read it or pass it on, then that's, then that's fine. You know, that's, that is, it's exactly the right thing to do. Um, so let's, uh, let's carry on and give some more away. So this has been recommended to you? This has been recommended to me by um, a friend who lives in Singapore, actually. We've known each other 20 years. Really? Yes. And he read it and he said, oh, this reminds me of us. We've both gone our different ways. And you keep in contact? Yes, we do, on a regular basis. I see. I really think it'd be perfect for you. Well, I was going to go down to Waterstones and buy it, but obviously I don't need to now, do I? No, no, no. (laughs) That's really quite spooky, actually. Sorry, Jill, we've done you out of a sale. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Would you like to take away our free, our last free book? This is One Day by David Nichols. You see, this is a big challenge for me because my husband always constantly tells me that I don't read. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, this this would be perfect. I mean, this is one of my favourite books. Um, and I'm quite a, 
a loose reader. I, I, I don't like to read too many. You know, I don't like anything too challenging. Uh, <laughs> and That's uh, my alley, ex exactly. And this this is very very good. Very good story. It's about to be made into a film. So actually, you'll be able to say that you read it before it made into a film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. We've just given away our last free book, and uh, overall, it was quite an enthralling experience. Really, uh, approaching people, offering them something free, seeing the uh, the British. Uh, what's he up to expression which is the exactly the same expression that I have whenever I you know I'm approached for anything and um, a few people have said it's really made their day which is uh, you know exactly what it's about and uh, yeah we had we had a really wonderful time yesterday yeah uh, Johnny how did you find it I really enjoyed it you know I, I thought I'd find it a bit awkward walking up to people and you know offering them a book and obviously like we said in the report you think they're trying to flog something to you if somebody walks up to you and offers you something you think there's got to be a catch to this yeah. but actually the, the response from people was really great and I thought the whole World Book Night thing was brilliant you know it's a fantastic idea just giving away a million books what a brilliant I can't imagine any other industry doing that you know would the film industry get together and give away a million DVDs I don't think they would no 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 well they've got their challenges I suppose from the, uh, the yeah, downloads yeah. I suppose I mean there was a little bit of criticism beforehand that it might damage book sales but uh, in actual fact the sales of all of the titles featured in World Book Night have actually increased over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you, everyone's benefited, really. Yeah, if you go into uh, any uh, high street uh, bookseller, you, you'll notice that all those twenty-five titles are, are featured very heavily uh, as soon as you walk in. And uh, yeah, so I, I certainly noticed that uh, yesterday when I went up to went up to Waterstones. And uh, this next part of uh, our report from yesterday is is when I went up to Waterstones. I also got given uh, two books yesterday, uh, which was which was really nice. Uh, and being on the being on the receiving end was also a very nice thing. Now, one I got was uh, one that I was too I was too polite to. Tell turned down and this is again me being far too British for my own good uh, so I'm actually going to give this to you Johnny to give to your wife for helping us out yesterday it's a Rockington mystery a fine balance and you know I mean just look at that book Johnny is there any point in me having that the, the <laughs> idea is I mean it's heavy I don't really want to carry it home anyway but it's also I, the idea of the whole world book night thing is to pass these things on but I did also get given uh, a book called Stuart uh, by Alexander Masters and you're going to hear um, again the very enthusiastic response from the people I interviewed yet last night at the Waterstone Stone's World Book Night event. Um, I'm giving away Muriel Spark, The Crime of Miss Jean Brodie. Okay, and uh, so you've obviously seen the list, and did this jump out of the list for you? Um, I've read this oh, when I was very young, and it inspired me really that to go out of the conventions of education, um, that you don't have to be so confined, and that you can go and experience life and the world. And if you've got a dream, you can strive for it and achieve it, and that's what I did. How are you finding people's reaction when you're giving them a free book? Everybody has absolutely loved it. They've gone, wow, there was just one lady that went past um, and just kind of ignored me, but I thought, well, never mind, it's not meant to be. Yeah, yeah, but that's, it's kind of the, the, uh, the, the British or, or even English um, reaction when someone approaches you out of the blue, isn't it? Especially with something free. It's yeah. Like, You're giving me something free? Why? What do you want? And so where did you choose to give away your books today? Nursing homes, book clubs that have just started up. I see. Some little groups of people who like reading or are trying to get people interested in reading. Yeah, yeah. so you've really targeted and places where, yes, where they're going to get... Uh, yes, we... definitely, and they're all going to pass them on to... Or, you know, they'll promise me that. Well, I'm here with Georgia Twine. It seems to me like you're really running up the hill today, surrounding yourself by people giving away free books. Yes. And you're here uh, signing copies of your own book and yes. uh, trying to earn a living and you've yes. got spare home. Okay. It is a bit of a difficult one, but... Uh... Why not? But I've seen I've seen today just just what you do kind of on the front line really. Yeah. And that's you know, promote yourself and sell yourself. How were you when you first started? I didn't speak to anybody. Really? And then I realised that if you don't speak to anybody, you don't sell any books. So I got over that quite quickly. 
and uh, started. I have like my spider's web, and if you're in my spider's web, you've had it. You really have. You know, if somebody doesn't like the idea or, or the blurb, then they won't buy it. But most people who I target, I think, you'd like my book. And once they've read the blurb, they just go, oh, actually, yeah. And for, for a 13-year-old to hand over their pocket money, it's got to be good. Being here part of World Book Night, if there was one book apart from yours that you'd like to give away for World Book Night, what would you have chosen? I'd give away Carrie by Stephen King. Because I know that anybody who reads that has hooked Stephen King for life. And they would come back and buy more and more books. I want to give away a book that I genuinely felt would change someone's perspective on reading. Uh, we're still here in Waterstones. Uh, we've been furnished mm. uh, with a glass of wine now, haven't we? Which mm. is making things much more civilised. Yeah. And uh, I'm here with Hazel. Now Hazel, you're one of the uh, 20,000 uh, mm. book givers away to give away a million books over book night. Uh, what book have you chosen to give away? I have chosen to give away Sarah Waters' Fingersmith. It's uh, an erotic Victorian thriller. It's about two orphans growing up in very different lives. Um, one of them very poor, you know, that sort of Dickens London and the other one living in a gloomy mansion and then their paths meet and all sorts of trouble happens and it's just it's fantastic, full of loads of red herrings and oh, it just gets you, it's brilliant. I love it. Great stuff, I can tell that. So did it jump off the page from the list when you saw the list? Um, well, I've always been a Sarah Waters fan, so I've got all of her books, so as soon as I saw that was on the list, I was like, right, <laughs> I need to have that. The book I've got tonight is Stuart, A Life Backwards by Alexander Masters, which okay. is a story of a homeless chap um, told by the hostel worker who's actually written his biography um, about his troubled and chaotic life and it's quite unique in, in the fact that obviously Stuart's an homeless chap, he's been through prison, he's been through the system and it's a cycle and it's a clear cycle of uh, abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, suicide attempts and, and, and basically the book's written backwards from where he is now to the time when he was a young boy to the actual specific point in an afternoon that he can now realise was where it all went wrong. Uh, it's, it's funny it's heartbreaking, but it's a good read. Obviously, I'm a police officer. I was uh, went to the police station first because obviously I felt that police officers reading this would maybe get a uh, different sort of perspective of the people living on the street. Um, I went to the cells um, and gave a couple away there in the cells to the people who are staying with, with us this afternoon. Yeah. Um, and they were gratefully received by a couple there. And then I've popped a couple to a couple of homeless chaps on the, the high bridge here. And just speaking to them, within the five minutes of speaking to them, they were telling me all the topics and all the story in regards they were talking prison, drugs, suicide attempts, yeah, I died, all that. and you were just, it was just basically, you can see how common it is, uh, but this is obviously putting it into perspective, but it's not. Stuart isn't a one-off, um, he's obviously a bit more of a character than some, but it, it isn't a one-off, the, the problem's out there. And uh, that's the, the copy of the book I was given yesterday, Stuart, A Life Backwards. And uh, in the back of the book, uh, there's a uh, WBN World Identifying Number, uh, which I'm going to register online later on today at worldbooknight.org. And then after I've done that, I'll pass it on. And then that book, this book that I'm holding right now, uh, starts its journey and starts uh, being shared around the globe, which uh, I think really is the uh, the essence behind it. And what a wonderful, wonderful idea. And I think it's been a great success. And it's only going to get stronger and stronger. Hello, this is Milton Jones. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren FM. You are, and um, I met Milton Jones very, very briefly uh, recently. Johnny and I were having a production meeting uh, on the waterfront in one of the licensed premises over there, and uh, coming out of it, uh, Johnny, uh, we said our goodbyes and a uh, manly hug, and 
I was just unlocking my bicycle and I looked up and I noticed uh, the comedian Milton Jones who was playing uh, the drill hall later that night. He was also do- he was doing a telephone interview and actually, strangely enough, he was talking to the uh, the interviewee uh, about uh, being approached in the street. So as soon as he put his phone down, uh, I went up to him uh, with my phone and said, you couldn't do a drop for our radio programme. And very, very kindly, he gave us that and you'll be hearing that a lot more in the months to come. Now, although the reading room is predominantly a community radio programme. Our podcast has been reaching far and wide, and next month we'll be speaking to our namesakes, thereadingroom.com in Australia, uh, a superb online reading community. And we've also received a lovely email uh, from Kirsten in Oklahoma City. So uh, hi from us all of here, and thank you uh, for listening. Your message really made our day. And of course, wherever you are in the world, please get in contact with us here at readingroom at sirenonline.co.uk. Now, one such person that did that was uh, Grace Atuhare, a poet from Uganda. Now, as predicted, uh, our application for an all expenses paid trip to Uganda was turned down, uh, something Johnny and I are still sulking about, but I did have the pleasure of speaking to Grace on the phone last week, and I started by asking her about an organisation called Femright. Yeah, Femright is a Uganda Women Writers Association, which is a, an organisation that is a, created to build a sustainable platform for Ugandan women to contribute to national development through creative writing. So we have had a uh, or Ugandan uh, literary workshops that help Ugandan women writers to be published. And also a couple of uh, anthologies have been published where uh, young women contribute on different social issues that affect the the different communities in, in Uganda. For example, we have uh, an anthology based on uh, the post-conflict that was in the northern Uganda where the writers went to the region and interacted with the with the community and uh, especially the women and got the short stories of what they were going through and came and did creative stories from their stories so it is uh, especially empowering women to write and to contribute to social development in Uganda through creative writing and on your uh, on your blog on the on the internet, um, it says yeah. that it says that uh, for some time Ugandans have been classified to be bad readers, so we uh, so we became reluctant to write. Um, and obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, this organisation is is trying to overturn that. Yeah, and you know, it's there's a belief that if you want to hide something from from an African, put it in a book. And uh, I don't know. Uh, my opinion is. Uh, the reading culture is catching up, though it's a little bit slow. Because uh, before, uh, like 10 years ago, we had very few poets in the country, and especially women poets in the country. And also we had very few Ugandan authors who have published their own books. But right now, uh, uh, there's so many Ugandan uh, writers who have published their own books on the different points that are coming out. So I feel uh, it's changing with the with the education system changing uh, gradually. So I believe in uh, five years to come that that will be a cliche to talk about Ugandans not reading. Excellent. And also on your on your blog, you talk about uh, new media quite a lot, and that's that's obviously opening opening doors, allowing you to be published around the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, the new media, I mean, in terms of uh, is of uh, the internet, like uh, live streaming. Yeah. I, I talk in terms of uh, use of audio, uh, audio uh, recordings and video, social document documentaries, 
and uh, with my poems, I've been published in a couple of uh, both local and international anthologies. For example, the A Dream in the Clouds, which was uh, which was published by Bomb Strategy from California, that was based on uh, on the Obama Obama's uh, inauguration ceremony. So I was able to have my poem about. Obama, inspired by Obama, published there. Also on your on your website, you talk about um, having achieved something worthy of your legacy. Uh, what would what do you think you'd like your legacy to be? Obviously, uh, you're obviously inspiring uh, young women. I I have passion at uh, being a citizen journalist, and so far I've I've tried my level best to document or publicize different community initiative projects that are happening all over Africa. Because I'm a contributing writer to a, a printout magazine called Witness Magazine from Botswana on the different programs that are running here in Uganda. And uh, I feel every citizen should be able to voice up what's happening in their community. And that's how the, our leaders will be able to know the social issues that should be addressed. But me, I'm just looking at how I can go within the grassroots communities and how I can be a voice or be a platform to voice these people's uh, social issues or how best they can also learn from other community initiatives that have been done somewhere else. The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. I know why she says she's bad for that ring you put on her finger. She wonders what type of man is in you. She says she doesn't know if you want her for her money or whether all the girls have said no to you. All she ever wanted was a rose, to be like the girls in Playboy, I know you love her too. She has had enough of adventurous men like you, with wives at home, but want a girl like her. She says she will sing with you for one more time, to make the number of 24 victims. All she ever wanted was a laptop to write the stories of you and her. Your life was worth nothing to her. That's why eight of her children, none is black like you. I Know Why by Grace Atuhare. And now it's time to go back to Uganda and continue our telephone interview. Uh, something uh, we like investigating here at the Reading Room is poetry in all its forms. Uh, so I asked Grace what she enjoys about poetry. Poetry is like a summarised way of expressing yourself. Uh, unlike short story writing where you have to we have used a lot of description. Poetry, you just say it out like the way it flows in the in your in your mind, whether with rhythm or, or less rhythm, it still just comes out. And uh, I feel anyone can go away with uh, any mistake done with poetry, whether punctuation or or just the choice of words used, because then the the poet will will uh, have a defined description of what the the intention they were trying to articulate about the, their persona in the poem. So I just have this, I would love to express myself in the shortest way. So poetry is, is, is the best platform. How is poetry regarded sort of gen- generally in, in Uganda? It's a, it's a growing process, I must say. But you will hardly see anybody buying like a book of poetry in Uganda, but... Right now, there's so many uh, uh, groups of 
readers' poetry uh, clubs that are coming up for writers to critique uh, each other's poetry, and which is a growing step. And uh, another thing, poetry is also being introduced in the education system within our within high school and even primary level. My uh, generation, we never had poetry like at uh, elementary school. And now these kids are having poetry at elementary school. So you find, as when you're growing up, when you get to high school and they introduce you to poetry, you see, you see it as something very hard. But now that it's being introduced to the elementary stage, I think kids are even uh, adopting much more fast than than my generation because it kind of took me for some time to understand poetry. I also understand uh, you're a big fan of the Jerry Springer show, is that right? Uh, you read that article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I wrote that article. Uh, there's a, work, a media workshop that took place here in Uganda. It was an East African media workshop that was organised by Open Society Initiative. And uh, one of the tasks we are given is to write a memoir of uh, our first experiences with the new media. And uh, in relation to Jerry Springer, I was looking at my first time to watch, uh, to be introduced to watching reality uh, TV. And, uh, you know, with the, before we, we looked at the English-speaking countries to be, like, we should be knowing the, the English. So to get to listen to Let's get to watch uh, somebody from America uh, not spelling the word beach. It was quite funny for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting for me. Uh, now, you're listening to The Reading Room here on Siren 107.3, and we have a superb relationship with our friends at writingeastmidlands.co.uk, and they've put us in contact with some superb writers since we began our programme last year. One such writer was Joe Evans, and he he emailed us a story uh, recently that was so unlike anything I'd read before. It was so unusual and so different. And I put this to Joe when he visited our studio recently. I was unsure whether to use the word surreal to describe his writing, because I think it can be overused. Maybe surreal is, is the right word, because I think um, surreal has a sense of taking the ordinary and putting it somewhere else, or taking things from one place and putting them in another. And I think... Uh, there's a sense that there are characters in my stories and objects and things in my stories that that kind of take on another life or another meaning. I remember uh, reading the John Peel book, a few, a few, which we're going to cover here on the reading room very soon. Uh, the way he explained to one of his young children about the word surreal was that he nailed a trainer to the ceiling, <laughs> which just seemed, you know, seemed yeah, seemed perfect. Yeah. Uh, so how did you how did you start writing? Um, I'm a very visual creative person I'm an animator and a illustrator and I'm used to telling stories visually and kind of uh, as an outlet for that as a, another form of creative expression I've, I found writing and I think writing is a really different way to approach storytelling from what I'm used to because I'm used to telling stories in pictures and to tell stories in words is is kind of new to me and exciting and different writing is is a kind of a hobby or a challenge to me um, something different and differently creative. It challenges a different side of my creativity, I think. It's kind of like doing a crossword puzzle or a jigsaw puzzle or something. It challenges me in a different way. It's kind of taking lots of different pieces and trying to fit them all together like that. It's a challenge and a sense of achievement when you bring the parts together and yeah. have a whole. The I house don't. on Mount Olympus Road is... Um, quite a simple story about someone who is trying to organise their house in time for their parents to come round for dinner 
but their housemates happen to be characters from Greek mythology. So there's this twist there. It kind of looks at the, the trauma of having to do housework, but exaggerates it through the fact that these are Greek mythological characters. So there's a Medusa-type character who leaves bits of green goo in the bathroom and an Orpheus-style character who kind of goes down to the cellar but doesn't quite bring back up what he went down to get. The uh, Short Fuse event in Leicester held a flash fiction prize um, in December 2009 and um, they invited people to come up and, and read short 500-word stories and there was a, a first place for that and I won the first place prize for that story. Okay, and how did you, how did you find the live experience? It was really good fun, actually, to have that feedback, that instant vibe from people who are enjoying the story, especially for a story that's quite frenetic and supposed to be quite funny, to hear laughter coming back at you and to see people enjoying it while you're reading it is a really uh, rewarding experience to have. Certainly. So what's what's next? What are you working on now? What's uh, what, what else can we expect? One of the stories I, I read for you was Melanie in the World Outside, which was a story about a girl who finds it difficult to uh, meet people, to meet men, and kind of date, and she is visited by a moth to kind of seize her through and helps her through this kind of Gok Wan moth, in a way, a kind of life coach. Um, and I'm trying to put together a collection of short stories that look at insects and sex together, in a way, or sexuality, and look at relationships between people, but combine that with this kind of metaphors that insects suggest, which is an interesting project, I think, to, to, to put themes on your short stories and theme them and say, I'm going to write in this sort of area, I think is a, an interesting challenge. I see. And that is, is that with a view to compiling a book of this? and then? Yeah. I'm looking to write six stories based on the idea of insects and sexuality together and um, call it uh, Six Legs of Love. And that's that's the concept. Do you read a lot of short stories yourself? Um, especially since I've started writing them. Yeah. I think as a child I didn't I didn't read as much and I think it's it's since I've started writing and started storytelling that I've realised a pleasure in reading and I've read a lot more recently than I have done when I was younger. I think um, as I've started writing short stories I've read a lot more. Does it change the way you now, I mean certainly now you read uh, a book, are you looking for style, uh, you know, do, are, you, are you looking to criticise the, the, the style or, the, or you know that kind of thing? Yeah I think so, I think when I'm watching films I'm like that as well as someone that, that is interested in animation and films and things. Um, I enjoy films more now than I did when I was younger because I feel like I understand them more and I understand how they were put together. I think books are the same or short stories are the same. If you understand the way they're put together, then you can kind of dissect them a little bit and study them and analyse them. And I, I find a pleasure in that, deconstructing them. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly the case that since we've been uh, doing this radio show, we've been recording short stories, that I've really, really got interest in short stories. I think yeah. they're a fabulous form. And uh, obviously the key is in the editing. How do, how do you find the editing process? I think there's a lot of... Um, I, I kind of edit as I go along. Mm -hmm. If I have an idea, I'll kind of flesh out the idea, but then I'll go through quite slowly, sentence by sentence. I'll, I'll try and get every word right and, and really scrutinise. I know a lot of writers will just throw out a draft and then redraft and redraft, but I don't tend to work like that. I, see. I tend to work very slowly and rigorously through the story until it's finished. And then I might redraft after I've done that. I see. So when you start, have you got any idea how it's going to end or is it, is it a, 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 a process? Yeah, I, I need a, 
a place to aim for so that initial fleshed out outline that I'll have will have a, a beginning a middle and an end and often um, I write the types of stories that might suggest an end before they suggest a beginning. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. And coming up now, it's time for our Reading Room tea break, an award-winning story by Joe Evans called The House on Mount Olympus Road. The wheelie bin was still out, lying on its side, blocking the way to the back door. I hauled it up and dragged it. Its wheels were loose, catching against the sides like a child dragging its heels. It had been a long day. I balanced the bin by the back door. Then I noticed what was in the garden, slumped across the lawn. I did not need this kind of stress. The back door was unlocked. I slammed it shut, loud enough to resonate through every inch of the house, a fanfare to herald the arrival of my anger. They were in the living room, watching TV, my housemates and the girl with the bag over her head. I marched across the room, switched off the television and turned to their attention. My parents are coming for dinner tonight. My housemates, Hercules and Orpheus, nodded. They knew this already. The girl with the bag over her head hissed quietly. They're coming at seven, I said. There are crumbs all over the floor. The dining table chairs aren't here. I'm assuming the bathroom still needs cleaning. And I've just seen there's a kraken in the garden. I need some help here, people. It's cool, said Orpheus, with his usual hurt expression. The chairs are in the cellar. I'll bring them back up. We've got an hour, I said. So, asked Hercules, what's a kraken? I'll deal with the kraken, I said. You deal with the hoovering. The girl with the bag over her head stood up. I'm going to sort my hair, she hissed. It's annoying me again. Clean the sink when you're done, please, I asked. She slivered past me. She always made such a mess when she washed her hair. Part of the kraken was submerged in the pond where the frogs usually go. Most of it lay across the garden. Its giant eyes blinked at me. Do you have somewhere to go? I asked carefully. No, the kraken shrugged. So what can I do to persuade you to leave? I asked. Virgins, usually, it said. It's just, my parents are coming over. Are they virgins? My parents? Not really. The kraken's eyes closed. I decided to retreat. I would return to the garden after I'd checked on the progress indoors. Progress indoors was a problem. Orpheus had been down to the cellar, but forgot to bring the chairs back up with him. The girl with the bag over her head had failed to clean up the bits of green goo and snakeskin from the bathroom, and Hercules had failed the labour of hoovering up. So I retrieved the chairs from the cellar, untangled Hercules from the hydra heads of the vacuum cleaner, cleaned the bathroom, and decapitated the snake girl taking her head in its bag to the garden and shoving her face up to the kraken which, upon opening its eyes, crumbled into fragments of stone, producing a lovely rockery. I then returned to the house and collapsed into the sofa, wishing to never see any kind of mythological creature again. And then my parents arrived on a big white flying horse. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. Uh, Now it's time to hear one of our 101 books to read before you die. The Reading Room's 101 books to read before you die. 
My name is Ed Horsop and the book I recommend is The Alchemist by Paolo Kello. There's a, a young boy who is a shepherd and he goes out to realise his dreams uh, and he actually discovers a treasure greater than he, he thinks he's worth and uh, and it's about his journey about discovering this treasure and the kind of many tasks and uh, kind of things that he he encounters and how he progresses and how he grows as a as an individual it's a book about realizing your potential realizing your dreams uh, it's a fascinating read the language and the style of the writing it's very clear it's a book that you can put down uh, and you can come back to it's very accessible very colorful um, use of language as well uh, in in the sense that it's very descriptive it's you can almost picture and smell and, and touch the kind of things that Paolo is actually describing. And to bring us your 100, or you add to your, our list of 101 books to read before you die, of course, email readingroom at sirenonline.co.uk. Uh, get in touch via our website, readingroom.podbean.com, where you'll, where you'll see the list and you'll, you'll hear the audio. Uh, and what we'd really like to do is introduce you to the radio station. Come down, stick some headphones on, and we'll put you in front of a microphone. You can email it, of course, and we can read it out, but uh, we, we'd, we'd like to add the audio, if possible, like Ed did there. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. It's time to hear The Reading Room book group and this month we've been reading Half of a Yellow Sun by Shimamanda and Gozi Adachi. Now yesterday I met a lot of people uh, certainly at the collection when we were giving away books but also at Waterstones uh, when we went there for their, I'm going to call it a drinks reception because I had a couple of glasses and um, I met someone, a very very wonderful lady, probably the most enthusiastic lady I've, I've seen uh, giving away books yesterday and, and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of positivity in the room uh, and this is Judith and she is, uh, well I'll let Judith do the explaining so we're going to be reviewing uh, Half of a Yellow Sun now. I believe you have some link to the author. I do, I certainly do. Um, actually, um, I had read this book well before I met this girl. Well, she's only a girl, really. She's now married to my husband's nephew. And I met her for the first time a couple of years ago. And she's a wonderful person. And she actually introduces us as white people to Africa. If you don't know Africa, it's just the most wonderful book to read. Mm. It's very powerful, very, very powerful. It's about the Biafran War in the 1960s. You know, there are two warring factions and they are starved out. And it's the story of three people who crisscross throughout this time and um, what happens to them, really. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Here we live in rural Lincolnshire. You know, it's quite an easy way of life, isn't it? There, it's a difficult way of life and the heat you can feel the heat, you can, it's all the drought and the way they live, it's amazing. But we don't come out of it in a very good light, unfortunately. I think that we thought that we knew best for everybody as an empire, yeah. as British Empire. And um, I think that we cut up the Africa and, and uh, probably it wasn't in the right way, you know, and a lot of warring factions. And uh, it's a wonderful book. I keep, I, I, I'm really passionate about this book. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I chose it. That's why I chose it. And I think the World Book Night's the most wonderful thing. Really. Yeah, yeah. And I've I seen do this. hope it takes off. I've seen this tonight and I've seen the way you've been giving the book away, probably with more passion than I've seen <laughs> anyone else give away a book, which is. It, <laughs> right. It, oh, it, well, no, we know, which is really something. It's really something to watch and it's really a joyous thing to thank see. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's Judith, who I met last night at uh, the Waterstones World Book Night uh, soiree. And uh, we've got Jill in the studio, Jill from Waterstones, and also Melanie Carroll from Unicorn Tree Books in the Marketplace. Um, Jill, this is a book that you also feel very passionately yes, about. Yes, I do. It's, it's a book that I 
read, I think when it first came out, about four or five years ago. And I've just reread it for this programme. Uh, and it was one of those books that on a reread, it was even more enjoyable and stood up even more strongly than on the first time, which I think is always a sign of a, of a very good book. I was a child uh, in the late 60s and I, we, we just got our first television and I remember watching the Biafran children and everything on the television and it had an impact on me at the time that I think modern children wouldn't get because they see so much dreadful stuff on sort of the media all the time. So I, I very much in, was interested in that but I think overall what this book to me is there is the whole stuff which I'm sure we'll talk about of the impact of war and things like that but it was main, It was a book about family and it was a book about the written word and how those two things are what actually makes up lives and I thought it was such a warm, wonderful story on those levels. Okay, uh, now it's time to bring myself in before Mel, so sorry Mel, uh, it's not my ego at large here, but I think it's, it's worth saying at this point that I got to four chapters in now, something that I've really tried to do with pushing ourselves on the reading room is to, and the idea of a book group is to push yourself and, and read things you wouldn't normally, and and you know, I've, I've certainly done that over the last six months, pretty much every book I went out, I selected the first books, and pretty much every book we chose was one that I wouldn't normally read. Now I got to chapter four, uh, I, I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't even know that there was uh, things about the war in it maybe being a boy if I'd have read more um, you know that might have introduced me more to the book because at the beginning I just found it such such a hard read um, and, and the development of the characters I felt was so slow um, and, and perhaps it's my need for immediacy and you know I'm putting the blame certainly on myself because pretty much everyone uh, I've met who we've talked about Half of Yellow Sun has loved it apart from our other reviewer this morning <laughs> um, really sorry. so no, no but that's it that's it I mean uh, Another good conversation I had yesterday was, should you apologise and should you feel bad about not reading a book? And it's certainly something that you and I feel. We, we, we sort of feel a cloud hanging over us, don't we, Mel? I think the thing is, when you know that other people have really enjoyed the book and you just cannot get into it, the automatic assumption is that it must be you rather mm. than actually it, it might be the subject of the book or the way the book was written. Because we do assume, well, if everybody else liked it, then I should. But then that's a bit like assuming if you go and see a film at the cinema that just because the reviewers have raved about it, you're going to enjoy it. I think there's a lot to be said for the way our brain takes things in. For me, I'm a bit like you. I I commend you for making it four chapters in. I didn't actually make it four chapters. I got one and a half chapters in and then jumped to halfway through the book because sometimes I find if I jump, I, I then find something that's interesting and then I go back and reread it and reread it from the beginning. Got halfway through. I have to say, I enjoyed it from about chapter 27 onwards, but I think that's because I know it was about to end. And but, but to be fair, also from chapter 27, I think you were saying about the family, and for me, that's the point at which it keyed in. Mm. Um, because at that point, there, there's a whole issue with books, pages being torn out of books, and I could totally emote with, with, with the violence mm. that might cause, cause somebody. Then there's... Um, one of the main characters who, who's been trying to help lots of people goes off and never comes back. And for me, the really the point at which I thought, actually, this might well have been a good book if I just could have enjoyed the writing. Actually, what was... Well, there were two points. There was a poem on um, page 375 in chapter 30 of the book, which I just thought was actually really, really good. And, and a very good... Probably a very good summation of a lot of what had gone in. And... You know, pretty much the last couple of lines of the book. Now, at that point, reading those lines, I finally found the voice that I had wanted to find all the way through that book and hadn't. There was a connect on those lines 
that for me, for the rest of the book, there had been a disconnect. The writing hadn't, for me, read that flowingly in the rest of the book. I found the writing style to be very choppy and bitty, and that's what was throwing me. I wasn't making that connect. When I hit those last chapters, actually, the style of the writing almost felt like it had changed. And and I sort of thought... If only it had been like that all the way through. Now, I found the writing right from the beginning was wonderful. Um, the way that the book is written is slow and with detail. I did like that. The the character that we're talking about, Ugwu, right from the very first pages, um, where he's a small boy from a village mm. taking to live into a, a sort of academic, more westernised household, I found him engaging and a most vibrant personality he goes from being a very open book but with a very strong personality there he goes from reading dickens right through to being an academic and a writer and what i found very important was that the the written word is so important as as he learns to read and as he reads for pleasure for solace to learn for education and then as he becomes to comes to use the written word to write for creativity and mainly to be a voice bearing witness to something that needed bearing witness to. I mean, very if I powerful. Just about, I think that's something um, perhaps worth noting because you mentioned Dickens in there about Ugwe learning to read Dickens and that, and I would have said I'm not a great Dickens fan. I don't oh, actually I enjoy reading <laughs> Dickens. And I have to be honest, and now that you've mentioned it, thinking about it, a lot of the reasons I don't like reading Dickens probably to a degree tie in with the same reason I didn't actually get on is it very because it's well very emotional it's very emotive the, and sentimental but I think the thing is I don't actually find it emotional I find it sentimental and I'm not probably ah, using that in a sentimental <laughs> probably not using that in a very favorable term um I I but I don't find it emotionally engages me on that level that actually makes me connect with the characters I, I find it a little bit too dry for that emotional the, connect what about the war though I mean I thought the impact of the war was written it wasn't about the big picture it wasn't about the politics it's about individual lives it was about how it affected like the main character female character Alana she's a very westernised very spoilt little rich girl mm. at the beginning and she's suddenly thrown into this war where she has to watch her own child starving where she has to stand in queues and battle to get food aid and the crucial thing for her is where she she witnesses the aftermath of a massacre and sees the body parts of her own family whom yeah. she loves dearly and um, there is a, a, a lady she is travelling with who has her daughter's head that she's carrying in a pot because she can't bear to let it go and this leads her into a nervous breakdown uh, which she called her dark swoops but she comes out of that she comes out of that strong and she comes out of that patriotic and she comes out of that angry and it's brilliant Uh, This is the section of the programme where we read your correspondence, your emails after you've been reading it. And uh, if you'd like to join uh, the people that do that, you can uh, drop us an email, readingroom at sirenonline.co.uk. The first one I'm going to read this morning is from Jenny Hoare, a first-time contributor to the show, and you're very, very welcome, Jenny. Now, I started this book with high expectations, knowing that Adishi has been compared to Chinua Achebe, another Nigerian writer. Although I enjoyed this book, it did not meet my expectations, but perhaps I wanted too much from it. Each Achebe book has left me with strong feelings about the subject matter. Perhaps it was due to the following of three people that led me to feel detached from the circumstances that each of the characters were facing, whereas if only one of them was followed in depth, I might have felt more involved. The propaganda that features throughout the book would almost seem overplayed if I hadn't, whilst reading the book, seen a film of Gaddafi on television which reminded me of His Excellency on Radio Biafra. 
This made the situations of the people in Libya more real to me. So although the book didn't provoke strong feeling for the characters within the book, it raised awareness within me of the troubles throughout North Africa and the Middle East. Um, and, and certainly, obviously, that, that rings a, a bell with you, doesn't it, Jill? Mm, yes, yes. It's, uh, I've, I found, I found I learned a lot from this about a situation. As I say, I was a child at the time. You see the bits on the television. You're told to eat your greens because the children, starving children and all that. But to say to me, I, I, I wouldn't agree that the characters weren't engaging. I thought Ogwu was the most engaging character. And I think that, obviously, we don't give too much of the book away, mm-hmm. but the fact that he is drawn into the atrocities of war he is conscripted and taken into the army and the fact that he is drawn into and becomes complicit in the atrocities that are carried out um because you know that was what what you know he is resistant to so many things but a part of him wants to belong and a part yeah. of that is is national feeling which was very strong mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean the, yeah. the bit where he does get drawn into a, to a rape. Um, there is one line which says he looks into the eyes um, of, of of the woman and sees blind hate. That was actually really. I mean, and that was another point in which I thought that was actually a really strong line in the book. But what I, I still missed that I still missed the feeling in it. There was still a disconnect for me, and I think there was a disconnect for Ugwu as well. And perhaps that's what she was trying to put over. Um, you make people into soldiers. You do remove part of their um, the process by which they will be making decisions themselves. Those yeah. decisions will be made outside. Yeah. You know? Okay. And also, we've received an email this morning uh, from Cheryl Cliff, another regular contributor to our program. It says, "I enjoyed learning about the history of Nigeria, and it was good to get three different narrative voices uh, for the different angles on it. I also enjoyed the way it went forwards and backwards in time. I think this has heightened the expen- uh, the suspense." and made the imagination work overtime, more than if it had been a linear timeline. I enjoyed Ogu's character, but felt, with regard to Richard, that Adishi was making too much effort to portray him as a white man fitting in with the Nigerians, and I sometimes felt that that resulted in the opposite effect. Maybe this was intended. I do think that Adishi is a brilliant writer, and though the book uh, kept me gripped, I also enjoyed it so much that I bought uh, The Purple Hibiscus, which I also enjoyed, and her latest collection of short stories, which is on my to-buy list. And someone mentioned this to me yesterday, that she has a collection of short stories, and my love for, for short stories has grown since we've, we've started this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up, because it might be the immediacy I was looking for. But also, uh, yesterday, talking to, uh, talking to Judith and her passion for the book, I did also promise her that later in life, <laughs> I am going to come back to this book. Have another go. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it, she she dis- discussed this, and I, I talked to her about you know some of the shame perhaps that that, that you feel in not reading a book, especially for something like something like what we're doing here. And um, and I did promise then that I would reread it later in life, probably ten or fifteen years down the line, and she agreed that that would be a good thing. Books are sometimes there at a different certain time for you, and they work and they don't. Um, yeah. And there is no there is no, no sort of sin in in not reading a book if it's wrong for you. There's plenty out there. Absolutely not. So thank you both this morning for coming down. The Reading Room's 101 books to read before you die. My name is Sarah Jukes and the book that I would recommend is Room by Emma Donoghue. The book is told from a five-year-old boy called Jack who is kept in a garage for his whole life and his whole world is the garage which he sleeps in and eats in and lives in with his mother who he calls Ma. I recommend this book because it's got a wonderful voice in it. The child's voice is spellbounding and it takes you right to the end and you cannot put it down. 
Uh, Sarah Dukes with her 101 books to read before you die room, uh, which is, uh, you go into most bookshops, it's usually right there next to the till, and it's one that's going to be uh, on, on my reading list over this year. You're listening to The Reading Room on Siren 107.3 FM. My life story. That was the time I knew my deeds. That was the times when the action was missed. To be heard and told to the next of kings when in your time of need was shunned by kings. Who cares about the melody of us who want to achieve, when the achievers are closed in their gates? Without a PayPal pay, you have no access to the world's secret. There goes the time when we knew who I am. There goes the time when you know me for who you are. I can tell the mischief when the public jeers I know if I laid home, I would run away like a scroll. For I'm that nagging bitch you never prayed for, you never fasted for. I give you your life back, get off my back. There goes a time when all get dumb. Of the life we live, say choices, but they are not choices. For when there would be more than good or bad, just fight. Heaven and hell would be in the options. There will be a time when it will stop timing. Then I will see you mourn my absence, praise my action, say you knew me when we didn't. Make sure you don't sue my corpse for the debt of honor, fooling yourself to believing I pay back. Don't forget I'm not breathing. Save the action, have a life. Let me go and set the place for your timing. We'll see if God shall accept my lobbying. For you be with me in the heavens. Grace Atuhari with her poem, My Life Story. And we recorded that uh, on the telephone to Uganda last week. And uh, she was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Thank you very much for taking the time to download and listen to our podcast. Uh, we'll be back next month. We're going to be reading a short history of tractors in Ukrainian. So, of course, if you've read that, let us know what you think at readingroom at sirenonline.co.uk. So, until next month, goodbye and thanks for listening.